Hey there, it's me, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, that redheaded actor from Modern Family. I have a podcast. It's combining a couple of my favorite things, talking and food. Please join me as I dine with the biggest names in entertainment, people like Julie Bowen, Kristen Bell, Fred Armisen, and so many more. It's called Dinners on Me, and you're invited. Am I saying a chocolate souffle is going to get me to reveal all of my secrets? Yeah, I am. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. The coronavirus pandemic has taken the lives of millions of people around the world. And still, more than a year and a half since the first known case, the world has little knowledge about its origins. For many months, the leading belief among scientists and other experts was that coronavirus likely jumped from animals, likely bats, to humans. But one other theory surfaced that has recently gained more traction. A growing chorus of experts are questioning the possibility of the virus leaking from the Wuhan Institute of Virology, a Chinese lab that researches coronaviruses to defend against outbreaks like the SARS epidemic or this recent coronavirus pandemic. This theory, once dismissed as conspiracy or conjecture, was acknowledged by the Biden administration last week. Uh, Many of us feel that it is more likely that this is a natural occurrence as has happened with SARS-CoV-1 where it goes from an animal reservoir to a human. But we don't know 100% the answer to that. And since this is a question that keeps being asked, we feel strongly, all of us, that we should continue with the investigation and go to the next phase of the investigation that the WHO has done. In a statement, President Biden acknowledged that both the animal-to-human transmission theory and the hypothesis that this started from an accidental leak from the lab in Wuhan are both possible origins of the coronavirus pandemic. He asked the intelligence community to redouble their efforts to uncover evidence of what really happened. So what are the implications for Biden publicly suggesting a lab leak in China may be the source of the pandemic? What are the geopolitical dynamics Biden has to contend with when taking steps to collect more intelligence? And what are the political complications he faces at home as he acknowledges a theory that the Trump administration went to great lengths to try to prove? This is Can He Do That, a podcast that explores the powers and limitations of American government in a time of deep division. I'm Allison Michaels. Now, the lab leak hypothesis had been ridiculed by scientists as a baseless conspiracy theory. For months, it was disregarded as an effort by President Trump to deflect attention from his administration's failing response to the pandemic. But now, Biden is asking his administration to investigate it more deeply. So how did we get here? How did this lab leak hypothesis go from conspiracy to real possibility? I turned to The Washington Post's fact checker, Glenn Kessler, to find out. I started by asking Glenn if there's any clear evidence that either one of these two theories are true. No, there's no clear evidence of either. Most scientists would say that the original supposition that it came from nature, that somehow the coronavirus jumped from an animal to a human, makes the most sense. I mean, that's how most pandemics start. That's been the operating theory in general, but at the same time, People think it's an awfully strange coincidence that there's the Wuhan Institute of Virology, the only biosafety lab for in the entire country of China, happens to be in Wuhan, which is where the disease started. So then let's walk through some of the key dates surrounding this theory, the lab leak theory, to understand how we've gotten to this point. December 30th, 2019, 
the Wuhan Municipal Health Commission issued an urgent notice to medical institutions saying that cases of pneumonia of unknown cause have emerged from the city's seafood market. So how soon after that did questions about the virus's origins begin? It happened within about a month. When I constructed my timeline on this, the first article I could find that major article was something in the Daily Mail on January 23rd. The headline was, China built a lab that studies SARS in Ebola and Wuhan, and U.S. biosafety experts warned in 2017 that a virus could escape the facility that's become key in fighting the outbreak. Pretty soon after that, you know, there were reports that the original question about, you know, the seafood market might have been misplaced. That while originally people started to think the market had been the source of the outbreak, it turns out that there were a number of infections, including the first documented case, that had no link to the seafood market. So that began to raise questions in people's minds as, where did this start? And how were Chinese officials reacting to those suggestions at the time? Well, the problem was, in general, the Chinese were not cooperative at all. So they did things that raised suspicions. For instance, they completely cleared out the market and destroyed any evidence you could find that might help support the idea that the market was actually the source of the outbreak. Now, you could argue that maybe they were doing that out of precautions to prevent further spread, but it really set back the kind of investigation you would want to do in order to try to find the animal source if it did indeed come from nature. They kind of scrubbed reports and they shut down access to information about the Wuhan lab. And so that, again, raised suspicions on the part of uh, people that were wondering what was going on here. As the threat of coronavirus spreading beyond China's borders began to grow in early 2020, the suggestions of a lab leak took hold in some corners of Washington. Senator Tom Cotton, a Republican from Arkansas who sits on the Armed Services Committee and the Intelligence Committee, early on raised the fact that this lab was based in the seafood market. We still don't know where it originated. Could have been another seafood market. Could have been a farm. Could have been a food processing company. I would note that China, that Wuhan also has China's only biosafety level four super laboratory that works with the world's most deadly pathogens to include, yes, coronavirus. And he raised questions well, about this. And sometimes that. his remarks got misinterpreted as, as, he, as if he was saying that it was manufactured as a bioweapon. I've gone back and looked at a lot of those, and I, I think things were misquoted or misunderstood. And in general, he was focused more on the idea of a lab leak. And what about President Trump himself? What, had he weighed in on the lab leak theory in the early days? Uh, no, generally not. Um, you know, at this point, the president was more concerned about um, playing it down because he was concerned about the, you know, the impact it would have on the stock market and his uh, reelection chances. He was concerned about a big trade deal he had negotiated with China, which he felt was also key to his reelection success. So he played it down. He kind of put, he said, China's really, really cooperative, which actually it wasn't. And, you know, the one missed opportunity at that point was the president of the United States getting on the phone with the leader of China and really pressing hard for allowing American experts to have access to Wuhan to help figure out what was going on. deal with China. I just spoke to President Xi last night and, uh, you know, we're working on the, the problem, the, the virus. It's, 
It's a very tough situation, but I think he's going to handle it. I think he's handled it really well. We're helping wherever we can. Uh, but we have a great relationship. It's incredible. They respect us again. They didn't even he kind of accepted us. the happy well, talk he got from President Z, and it was only later, once the extent of the the potential damage of the pandemic to his reelection chances became clear, that the president turned and started to attack China. With what you have heard from well, officials. I don't want to say that, John, but I will tell you uh, more and more. We're hearing the story. And we'll see when you say multiple sources. Now, there's a case where you can use the word sources, but uh, we are doing a very thorough examination of this horrible situation that happened. Go ahead, please. In your many conversations with President Xi. It was probably more in April that he really started pressing the lab theory. And of course, by April, you started, you know, you were in the middle of shutdowns and uh, economic dislocation and it was becoming pretty clear to the president that his re-election chances were at risk. But then the lab leak theory kind of peters out, at least in mainstream media and in the mainstream conversation. What happened to that theory? Why did it kind of fall to the back burner? Well, there wasn't a lot of support for it if you talk to scientists. And you know, at the fact checker, we produced a video. The headline was something along the lines of, you know, did the virus leak from a lab at Wuhan? It's doubtful. Evidence for. I guess without putting too fine a point on it, it would fall in the realm of conspiracy theory. We're going to focus on one theory that both U.S. intelligence and lawmakers are examining, that the virus accidentally escaped from a lab. And it's, it's actually a really great video that even today, uh, with the new questions about the lab leak theory, it stands up very well. We cover all the bases. We exp- talk about the... Chinese covering things up. We talk about the different possibilities and what supports lab leak and what doesn't support it. But the general consensus among the experts we spoke to was that it was really unlikely. Even she was initially concerned that her lab could have caused the outbreak. But since then, she says she's ruled out the possibility. She, her team, and the Chinese government have adamantly denied that it could have come from this lab. There's no way this virus came from us. Earlier in February, it said that they identified, you know, that the new coronavirus was 96% similar to something they had studied in the lab. 96 sounds like a lot, but it's really, uh, it's a huge difference. That's, that's decades and decades of evolution that's, that you need to, in order to get all the way to 100%. The uh, genome of a orangutan is 97% the same as a human. Now, that represents millions of years of evolution. That's a big difference in terms of when people talk about genomes. So eventually, though, this idea that the lab leak theory, though maybe doubtful, might still in fact be possible, that's gained steam basically since January, February of this year, right? That's kind of when we see this theory reemerge with some credibility. Right. Because what happened is that everyone wrote their pieces and we did our video and it kind of seemed to put the lab leak theory to rest. The problem is... We never found an animal host. Now, mm-hmm. it doesn't take instantly, but there are, you know, at this point, a number of scientists had expected we would have found the animal host. And certainly if the, if the Chinese had found it, they would have really advertised that. Uh, and at the same time, you had other scientists, skeptics, digging into the research that was done in the Wuhan lab, trying to understand better what was going on there. And a number of, you know, dense technical articles were being published that 
raised questions and said, you know, we really shouldn't give up on this. There's more going on here than we than we understand. And then in January of this year, New York Magazine published a big piece that kind of uh, revived interest in the lab leak theory because it, no, not much had necessarily changed from what we knew back when it was kind of put on a shelf. They took a lot of this new research, they spoke to other experts, and they said, you know, there's more here than we think, and we shouldn't ignore it. And then on top of that, the State Department, in the waning days of the Trump administration, put out a declassified document, which provided a number of hints as to why people in the Trump administration felt the lab leak theory was not dead. What were those hints? Well, let's see. They said that uh, they believed that several researchers inside the Institute became sick in autumn 2019 before the first identified a case of outbreak with symptoms consistent both with COVID-19 and common seasonal illnesses. Uh, they mentioned that the, the Institute published a record of conducting so-called gain-of-function research to engineer brand new viruses, but they had not been transparent and consistent about its record of studying the viruses most similar to the COVID-19 virus. So those are all things that had been part of these scientific papers that had been written, uh, hadn't really been looked at in great detail until New York Magazine resurrected them. And then, you know, the State Department is the State Department. It's an official, important government agency. And with five days left in the Trump administration, they decided to put out this statement saying, here's the state of play and here's why we think this should not be ignored. President Biden then came into office with a long to-do list related to the pandemic. Recently, though, he seems to have made finding a source of the virus a priority. Well, the Biden administration looked at that research, uh, looked at that statement, and felt there were elements to it that, you know, they might not have put it in those terms, but there were, there were certainly elements worth looking at. And then you also had uh, a WHO investigation which really tried very hard to shut the door on the lab leak hypothesis. And interestingly, the Secretary General of the WHO refused to rule it out. And he said, we need to have more further study. And the Biden administration said, yeah, we think this, the WHO report was not done in the way that would be considered uh, particularly independent. Uh, and then you had a number of prominent scientists write open letters to the WHO calling for new investigations. So these are all things that are suggesting that the WHO investigation in working with China had tried to too quickly to bury this theory and lots of unanswered questions had not uh, been addressed. So all of these factors lead to Biden's announcement last week that he's going to redouble his efforts to basically determine whether or not there's any legs to this lab leak theory. And that's sort of where we are now. Right. Because what happened is Biden then asked for a report from the intelligence agencies. Tell me what we know. And he got back a pretty mixed report where one agency said, you know, we think the lab leak is viable. Two agencies said, no, we think it came from nature. And then on top of that, Biden administration had been saying, we really want to work with the WHO to try to resolve these questions. China, the day before the president made that announcement, made it clear uh, at a WHO meeting that they were not interested in cooperating anymore. So that's kind of seems to be when Biden said, 
we're not getting anywhere with China at this point, so we've got to try to figure this out on our own. If you're looking for a smoking gun, I can absolutely guarantee you, you will not find it. In October 2001, a series of letters filled with a deadly powder called anthrax were dropped into the U.S. mail system. What started as an unprecedented case turned into an unsettling mystery. Who sent these deadly letters and why? From Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment, I'm Josh Dean, and this is Cover Up Season 4, The Anthrax Threat, available now. What he's asking intelligence agencies to do essentially is go back, look at all of the information that they have collected or obtained that goes to the question of whether there was a leak from this lab in China and see if we can learn anything new from it. That's Shane Harris. He covers intelligence and national security at The Post. It might not just be kind of going back through the files or checking the notebooks again, but possibly trying to gather more intelligence that might answer that question. Intelligence agencies already have done sort of a round of this in the in the Trump administration, and particularly when the pandemic was in full swing. And the president now wants them to go back and see what else they might be able to learn. So he's sort of publicly acknowledging that he wants to ramp up spying efforts. Is that unusual to sort of suggest publicly that you're going to increase your spy presence on a particular issue? It's very unusual, <laughs> yes. And that is, in a way, what he actually what he's doing. To say redouble suggests that you do more than you may have done in the past. This statement by the president was remarkable for many reasons, one of which, as you point out, to come out and, and say what questions we're going to be targeting and what information we're going to try to be gathering. What was also very unusual was for him to come out and state publicly that there was this apparent difference of opinion among certain portions of the intelligence community with, as he put it, two elements leaning kind of slightly towards the natural outbreak theory and another element leaning towards the it came from a lab theory. And then to say that each of them ranked their theories with low to moderate confidence, which is intelligence speak for, yeah, we don't really know. We wouldn't take this to the bank or bet the mortgage on it. So for him to lay out those kinds of internal details in a speech to the world, which obviously the Chinese are watching, was unusual, to say the least. So do we know how he made this decision? What really drove him to consider those factors and, and make this statement publicly? We know some of the factors. One actually goes back to, I think it's fair to say, really to the beginning of his administration when he came in with advisors who were really keen to make sure that there was a credible investigation into the origins of the coronavirus pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic. And there was initially a WHO convened team, a World Health Organization convened team that went to Wuhan in early 2021 to try and answer that question. And notably, the president's national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, put out a statement saying, essentially, we don't have a lot of faith in this WHO-led effort because the Chinese government is not being full and open and transparent, and the WHO is not really pushing them the way they need to be pushed. So the administration, from a fairly early point, had had a lot of skepticism towards ongoing efforts to try and answer this question. We know then that in March, the president said to his intelligence agencies, report to me on everything that you know on this question of where this came from. They got back to him in May. And as has been described to me by people who were involved in this process, it was clear to everyone involved that there were more questions they could ask. There were more avenues, if you like, that they could go down. 
Uh, and I think that that prompted the president to say, OK, go do it. And, and notably, he was also told by his intelligence advisors that there was a large amount of information that remained to be examined that might bear on this question, which I have to say leaves a lot of people from the Trump administration, I think, a bit confused because I think they felt that they kind of left no stone unturned. So the president's essentially being told, look, we have information, we have paths that we can go down to answer this question. And the administration clearly doesn't think that this is something they can just leave up to an international body to answer, that there's going to have to be some pressure applied by the U.S. and some uh, tradecraft and some espionage applied by the intelligence community might be a way to get some answers. It does seem interesting that the Trump administration, a group of people who were kind of dedicated in some sense to proving that perhaps this was a lab leak scenario in China or just really proving Chinese culpability, if they weren't able to uncover evidence of this lab leak theory, why does the Biden administration think that they might be able to? You're absolutely right. I mean, as a number of people who were involved in that process in the Trump administration have said to me in so many words, you know, if we found a smoking gun, we would have publicized that fact. I mean, in some cases, you know, even people like Secretary of State Mike Pompeo seemed desperate to try and pin this on China, the outbreak on China, and to, to pin it down to the level of a lab leak. Can see now. Remember, China has a history of infecting the world, and they have a history of running substandard laboratories. These are not the first times that we've had a world exposed to viruses as a result of failures in a Chinese lab. Uh, and so while uh, the intelligence committee continues to do its work, they should continue to do that and verify so that we are certain. I can tell you that there is a significant amount of evidence that this came from that laboratory in Wuhan. Do, do you so I think this was... raises another possibility that we might consider with the Biden administration, which is that they're not necessarily going into this thinking they're going to prove there was a lab leak, but they might be able to say, look, we went back over this question again. We redoubled our efforts and we just don't find any evidence of a lab leak. So it might provide some space frankly, for his administration to move on from that question. Um, it also might create a lot of space to create more pressure on China to be open about the origins of the outbreak in ways that don't necessarily bear on the question of a lab leak. What about what local officials in Wuhan knew? What about what the government in Beijing did or didn't do? What about China's efforts to suppress information about the severity of the outbreak? Coming out publicly, as the president did, and saying, we're going to look at the lab leak theory, which drives China nuts, frankly, might be a way to start building more international pressure on them to open up in other ways. And it seems like that, at least initially, is working insofar as you see members of Congress and even scientists who were previously skeptical about the lab leak theory coming around and saying, yeah, we need to investigate this. China's just not telling us enough. So as you say, this is kind of driving China nuts. What does it do for the U.S. relationship with China, not even dependent on what the findings actually are, but just the pursuit of this investigation? Where does that leave the U.S.-China relationship? Well, it exacerbates an already tense relationship. The Chinese look at what they see as a set of baseless accusations. Uh, and I think feel that they're being vilified and being targeted. Um, they still remember, you know, the previous president and his rhetoric, which was, you know, I think overtly racist in some respects. Now, the Biden administration is trying to take the temperature down. They've had some pretty tense meetings already with Chinese counterparts. This doesn't help, you know, necessarily improve relations with Beijing, but it does put them on notice that this administration, while it might be 
totally different than the previous one. And while President Biden might have different views towards, you know, the Chinese than his predecessor, they're not going to give China a pass. Uh, And so the president coming out now and saying we're directing the intelligence community to look at this really does put Beijing on notice to say, look, we don't trust what you're telling us and we're going to dig on this question and we're going to be very public about it. So it's again, it's another way of, of putting that pressure on them. The Chinese government has publicly said, as far as they're concerned, they're willing to cooperate on, on some things that the international community and scientists are interested in. But basically, they view their job, they said at a recent World Health Assembly, as concluded in terms of what the investigation is. And so they want to move on from this. And they've even started pointing the finger at other countries as the possible source of an outbreak. So then what's at risk for them? We don't have to go into all of the details of sort of the what ifs, but generally what is China facing as this investigation is underway? What's at stake? One, I would say their credibility on the world stage, if they are not seen as being full and open and transparent about the origins of this pandemic that has killed millions of people, that's brought economies to their knees, It raises a lot of questions about whether China can be a trusted player on the world stage. So that's one. If if there's real evidence that points to the possibility of a lab leak, that would also raise a lot of concerns about the kinds of research that China has been doing on coronaviruses at places like the Wuhan Institute of Virology, which we should note was set up in response to the SARS outbreak in 2002 in China as a way of trying to prevent by studying coronaviruses, a future outbreak. So if it was determined that there was some kind of negligence or sloppiness or recklessness on the part of this lab, it might lead to calls to stop it. If we found that there was other kinds of negligence, like the Chinese government maybe did have an insight into how bad this outbreak was, but tried to suppress information or didn't take steps quickly enough to to stop uh, the spread of infection, there's going to be a lot to answer for for that. I mean, as we understand this now from the science and the modeling, this virus begins in China and it starts to kind of seed through the world as people are traveling around. Could you be looking at a situation where there's calls for them to pay restitution in some ways to governments who have lost so much with economic loss and and having to respond to this? So it just you can imagine all the scenarios that kind of spin out if you have more evidence of kind of a direct Chinese involvement in an outbreak or even sort of an indirect role because of what they failed to do and should have done at the time. So that's what's at stake for China. Let's talk a little bit about what's at stake for President Biden, at least politically, as he faces this. What is there bipartisan support at this point for investigating the lab leak theory? There is. And that's a new development. You're seeing Democrats in particular, which I think is the most notable piece of this, kind of coming around to the idea that, yeah, we need to look more more deeply at this. You saw Senator Tim Kaine, who's on the Senate's health committee, recently say that as we analyze what went wrong and what we can do in the future, we have to answer these questions as well about the lab leak. We have to get to the bottom of it. To be clear, getting to the bottom of it, of course, may mean you find that there's no evidence of it. But the fact that there is this bipartisan interest in this now, I think, is something that the president can't ignore. And like, let's be honest, I mean, it works politically for the president to talk about a lab leak because it does put pressure on China and reminds the world that the Chinese government has objectively not been transparent and forthcoming with information about the virus. There's a lot of people in the scientific community, I think, who very strongly object to pointing the finger at China this way, particularly when there is evidence suggesting that this could have been a natural outbreak. But politically speaking, for President Biden, when he's trying to ratchet up the pressure on China, it's great for him that members of Congress in both parties say, yeah, press on. Let's keep putting pressure on China. 
Okay. So then what happens from here? What are what are the next steps we expect to see? I know this investigation is designed to last 90 days. What What then? Um, you know, should we expect that they come back with a smoking gun of a lab leak? I doubt it. I did just, there's just, there hasn't been any, unless there's something new that has come across uh, in recent months. So we'll probably hear back from this and the, it'll be up to the president to then come to the American people and say, okay, here's what we found. And if it is inconclusive, then he's going to have to try and explain, you know, why did we go through this process and what does it mean that we can't find a definitive answer to this? Remind people that sometimes we don't find the answer to where an outbreak came from. We still don't know really who patient zero of Ebola was. You know, it took more than a decade to identify where SARS came from. Um, so I think in the next 90 days, what you're going to see is, you know, probably more reporting on what they might be finding or what direction that this investigation is going. And then a real expectation that the president's going to kind of have to thread a needle when this is all said and done. Unless, of course, there is a smoking gun. And then we're in a very different world. All right, Shane, thank you so much for your time. You bet. Thanks for having me. This has been another episode of Can He Do That? Thanks so much for listening. As always, if you can share it with a friend, that helps us a lot. Thanks so much. Can He Do That? is a team effort here at The Post. This episode was produced by Sharla Freeland with logo art from Greg Manifold and theme music by Ted Muldoon. If you're looking for a smoking gun, I can absolutely guarantee you, you will not find it. In October 2001, a series of letters filled with a deadly powder called anthrax were dropped into the U.S. mail system. What started as an unprecedented case turned into an unsettling mystery. Who sent these deadly letters and why? From Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment, I'm Josh Dean, and this is Cover Up Season 4, The Anthrax Threat, available now.